Welcome everyone to Facebook Live. Thank you so much for joining me today. We are, of course, going to continue on our series of teachings that we've been on for over two years entitled Mind-Brain Connections. This is number 104, lesson 104, and we're going to be going to Judges chapter 6, and we're going to be talking about the reality, the allegorical reality of Israel's seven cycles of defeat and victory and defeat and victory. And they went back and forth and had no static fruit that remained in their lives. So we're going to look at this in an allegorical sense as we have been looking at the other stories in the Old Testament. And I want us to realize that, you know, just teaching the historical events of the different stories really doesn't do a whole lot for us. But when we can look and see the allegorical reality, then it applies to us and we can see that it is happening within you and I. And then it means a lot more to us. Rather than staying with the historicity of the stories, let's see what they metaphorically and allegorically and parabolically are pointing to within our lives. Now, as we get into Judges chapter 6, I'll probably only teach half of this Next week, we'll finish it up, and then I actually want to get into some more teaching on the brain. I want to talk about the superconscious, superconsciousness, and what is that? I want to talk about, of course, our individual consciousness. We know what that is, but then I want to talk about the subconscious because each and every one of them have different functions, but for today, we're going to stay here, and next Sunday, we're going to stay here with Judges chapter 6. We're going to deal with Israel's defeat and victory, and we're going to talk about the man by the name of Gideon. In the book of Judges, they had 12 deliverers. They had 12 military deliverers, or judges as they were called. And if you read in the book of Obadiah, verse 21, you'll see there where it says that saviors and deliverers shall come upon Mount Zion. That's talking about a people today that are in a high realm of consciousness, and it says that they will judge the mount of Esau. Now, Esau represents the flesh realm. It represents us thinking and living out of the left side in and of itself, thinking and living out of human reasoning and natural intellect and logic in and of itself. Nothing wrong with the left side, but it was given to us to yield to the Christ mind or to the realm of spirit. Just as Jesus, he didn't do anything but what he saw the Father do, <clears throat> didn't say anything but what he heard the Father say. And so our left side was given to us for the purpose of yielding to the Christ mind and the realm of spirit. So here in Obadiah chapter 21, it states that saviors and deliverers, a people that are in a high realm of consciousness, are going to judge the mount of Esau or the flesh realm, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Now, what does it mean to discern or to judge the flesh realm? Well, it's these saviors and these deliverers that Obadiah verse 21 is talking about. Some people call them pioneers, but they're saviors and deliverers. In other words, they are ministering a word that is causing people to be able to discriminate the difference between thinking out of the Christ mind, the right side, 
as opposed to thinking and living out of the left side of intellect and human reasoning and logic. You know, there's a scripture in Psalms that says we're not to lean to our own understanding, but we're to trust the Lord with all our heart. What does that mean? You can't trust the Lord with all your heart without living from the right side of the realm of spirit and the Christ mind. So these people here <clears throat> that Obadiah, verse 21, is referring to are a people that are in a high dimension of consciousness and awareness, and they are judging, they're judging the Mount of Esau, they're judging or causing people to begin to discern the difference between the right and the left and what will be gained by drawing from the right and what will be reaped by drawing from the left. In other words, they are showing people the futility of living by the left side because the left side only yields, only yields frustration and, and hell. You know, people say, well, there's eternal conscious torment for people that don't live according to the standard that is laid out in the Bible. Well, we make our own hell, and we do that as we live from human reasoning or intellect and as we do not yield that left side to the Christ mind. And as we yield or bring the masculine principle of our life, join it to the feminine principle, which is the left side, as we join the two together, then you see there's going to be a oneness there that we're going to subjectively experience and we will experience fruit that remains rather than fruit that's here today and gone tomorrow, as Israel experienced here in Judges. Now, here in Judges, it tells us that there were 12 individual judges or 12 military deliverers. Now, we could take that number 12 and go on a long rabbit trail because there's a lot of 12s in the scriptures. We have the 12 redemptive aspects of the death, burial, resurrection. We have the 12 foundations, the 12 gates, the 12 apostles, the 12 cranial nerves. On and on we could go with 12. And 12 designates completeness, but it also designates government. Now, the judge or the military deliverer that I want to focus on eventually in this message today is the man by the name of Gideon. And listen to the meaning of Gideon's name. Gideon means to destroy and to cut asunder. Now, it doesn't mean to destroy people, but it's talking about destroying the false concepts and the false ideas that are birthed out of the left side. So he was used by God to deliver Israel from the Midianites. Now, there were Midianites, there were Amalekites, and there were even the people of the East, and we'll, we'll define each of these as we go through that. But first of all, the Midianites represent strife. It's a warring mentality. And I think most of us have probably, if we've been involved in religion whatsoever, we have probably experienced a time in our life when we tried to get things from God, not realizing we already had all things and we just needed to rest in Him and continually draw from the right side of the fact that I lack nothing. But we all went through seasons or in our maybe outer court, holy place, uh, consciousness or awareness, where we thought we had to fight and bind and loose and deny. And we were all the time in this strife mentality, this fighting mentality, as Israel was here when the Midianites came against them. 
And so these Midianites simply represent strife and fighting rather than resting. And of course, to rest denotes the fact that we have to draw from the Christ mind. We cannot rest if we're not drawing from the realm of spirit. If we're judging things by the seeing of the eye, the hearing of the ear, rather than discerning righteous judgment, then we are not going to have fruit that remains and we are not going to rest. If we're drawing from the left side, then that promotes and it births strife, warring mentality, binding, loosing, denying, asking God for things that he can't even give us because he's already given us all things, rather than resting. When we draw from the thoughts or from the left side, that feminine principle, then we're not going to have true, wet, true rest. Now, the question arises, why in the world did Israel go back and forth between victory and defeat? Seven cycles of victory and defeat. No fruit that remained. Only fruit that was here today and gone tomorrow. Why did they do that? Why was their fruit static? Why was it not fruit that remained? Well, to answer that question, let's read here. In Judges chapter 6 and verse 1, look what it says. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, the Hebrew version of the word evil is in the definite article. In other words, it was the evil. The evil. And what was the evil where Israel was concerned? Well, it was idolatry. False concepts and ideas. Now, in 1 John 5, 21, it says there, little children, keep yourselves from idols. And the word idols is idolon there, and it simply means false concepts and false ideas about God, about spiritual things that come out of reasoning, human reasoning, that come out of the left side, that come out of man's intellect. And also, as we read in scripture, we can see that Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, were called adulterers. Now, it had nothing to do with uh, having an affair on your spouse, but adulterers has to do spiritually and allegorically with worshiping more than one God. And we know Israel had many different gods at different times. So they worshiped false concepts and false gods. They were adulterers. They had idolatry. And so the evil here was the false concepts. It was idolatry. It was worshiping things. It was having false, you know, today we would call it traditions and dogmas of man. That's what they had between their ears. And as a result, what did they have? They had a whole lot of strife. Now look what it goes on to say then in the rest of verse 1 of Judges 6. It says, And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. Now, the Lord did that? The Lord caused them to have the Midianites or strife come into their life? Well, absolutely not. And seven here is, uh, I know seven means completion and perfection, but here seven means divine intervention. They needed a divine intervention, which eventually Gideon brought to them. But let me talk about this where it says, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Midians for seven years. The Lord was their consciousness or their awareness that brought on the strife. In other words, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, or so is his experience. 
So in other words, our conscious awareness, our consciousness, that which we plant from the right side, the seeds of the Word of God that we plant from the right side, from the Christ mind, into our individual awareness is going to determine the direction of our life. So in other words, the Lord here would have been their faulty awareness because as a man thinks, so is he. And because they had idolatry and idolatry, false concepts and ideas and other gods that they were committing adultery with, you see, their consciousness or their awareness was that which was causing their experience of this strife. Now, the thing that strife does is causes us to forfeit rest, peace, and fruit that remains. A consciousness of strife, a warring mentality, rather than discriminating the difference and discerning the difference between the right side and what that will yield and the left side and what that will bring into our life. Remember in 1 Samuel chapter 1, where Eli the priest had two sons and he did not correct those sons whatsoever. And the two sons' names were Hopni, which means a fist finder. The other one was Phineas, which means the tongue of a serpent. And what does that allegorically picture? It pictures a priesthood that are in strife. It pictures a priesthood that is fighting, that has a warring mentality. And we have many today that are in Christ. Many today are fighting. They think that they have to get this, that, or the other from God when he can't do anything about that. What he desires for us to do is rest in the fact that we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly Christ, and we have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness already. And we live in the nowness. We simply live in the isness, you see. And then we'll see the invisible manifest visibly in whatever apparent need that we have at that time. So the enemy here was strife. Many nights mean strife, and they had this strife because, allegorically, they were not discriminating between living out of the right or living out of the left. They were living out of the left, and as a result, it bore them this strife. That's what they birthed, was this strife and this fighting and warring mentality. Now, notice what it goes on to say then in verse 2. It says, And the hand of Midian, strife and fighting and warring, prevailed against Israel. See, any time people do not discern the true nature and live out of the right as opposed to living out of the left, then strife is going to be one of the results. They're going to think that they have to fight and they have to, you know, do all of this warring mentality. You know, in Isaiah, it says that we're to take our plowshares, uh, swords, and beat them into plowshares and study war no more. In other words, simply rest. Now, the rest of verse 2 goes on and says, and, because, and I like this, because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. Now, I looked up the word dens in the concordance, and it means a channel or a fissure. A channel or a fissure. It sounds like something is being divided. A fissure is something that is divided. And then caves means dark caverns or darkness, a darkened awareness, a darkened mentality. 
So what I believe that this is dealing with, where it says, because of the Midianites, the strife, the children of Israel made them dens, which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. Now, strongholds in 2 Timothy, or 2 Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5, are simply vain imaginations. That's what a stronghold is. And remember, idols in 1 John 5, 21, are false images and imaginations about God. But now what I believe these dens here in verse 2 and the mountains and the caves and the strongholds refer to is that the strife got in from their consciousness, their individual consciousness, it buried down into their subconscious. And when something buries down in the subconscious, it just becomes a natural spontaneous reaction that flows out whether it's negative or whether it's positive. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, man was told to have dominion, not take dominion. We're not told to take dominion. To take denotes strife and fighting and trying to get. Whereas have dominion, when we just have dominion, we are resting. We don't fight. We don't war. But we rest. Now, we're not passive in rest. We certainly are activating the right hemisphere or the Christ mind or the realm of spirit, not judging by the realm of appearance or the five senses. So therefore, what this is talking about in Genesis 1, to have dominion is for us to simply think the thoughts of the Christ mind, be in the realm of spirit, stay in spirit, rest in spirit, and we will experience then the invisible manifesting in the tangible or in the visible in whatever apparent need that we have at that time. Now, let's move on here. Verse 3 says, And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up, and then notice another group comes, the Amalekites. So the Midianites means strife. Israel had strife because they drew from the left side. The Amalekites mean valley dwellers. So in other words, in their awareness, they were dwelling in a low realm. So valley dwellers, to me, speak of that which has to do with manifestation. When you're in strife, and when you are as the Amalekites here, you're low in your thinking process, then the manifestation is going to be a negative manifestation or no manifestation at all. See, they, they lived in the dust realm, these Amalekites, valley dwellers. They lived in the dust realm of their awareness, and so therefore it manifested, you see, the negativity of their life. Then the rest of verse 3 goes on, and it says, And the children of the east. Now we need to talk about this a little bit. The children of the east, even they came up against them. Now, we know that in this series we've established the fact that Judah was on the right side in Numbers chapter 2. You can read there that Dan was on the north, and that was the emotions. Reuben on the south, that represent the physical. Ephraim on the west, that represented intellect and reasoning and logic. But Judah was on the right or on the west, and west simply means the dawning of a new day. See, when you look north, what is to the right? Well, it's the, the west is to your right. That's the right side. But here it even says that the children of the east came up against them. So what does the children of the east represent here? I believe that it is people 
that are not established in the foundation of Christ Jesus, but they're susceptible to Eastern philosophies and New Age ideas. Now, don't misunderstand. I believe that there are Eastern philosophies that are good and that we need to embrace. But to be into New Age concepts totally and completely, and they do have some things that are, are right and that we, that we embrace, but it's talking about some people here that were established strictly in some of these false Eastern philosophies and false New Age ideologies. And so they even came up to try to unestablish the children of Israel even more. Then it goes on to say in verse 4, And they encamped, the people of the east, they encamped against them, listen to this, and they destroyed the increase of the earth. So in other words, fighting and warring the Midianites, the Amalekites, the valley dwellers, and the people of the east, which represents what? All of that comprised together is a low mentality, a low awareness, thinking you have to fight, having strife in your life, having some false concepts that we ought not be embracing that are not based in the truth of the spirit of the word that's written upon our heart. It all brought fighting. It all brought negativity into their life. Now, notice it says, and they encamped, and they destroyed. So who are the they? Who are the they? Well, the strife, the warring consciousness, the low living, the low thinking, drawing from the concepts of man from the left side. See, because any time we see religiosity, we know that doesn't come from the right side. The Christ mind. It comes from the left side. It's man's ideas, man's ideologies. It's man's false concepts. It's man's imagination as opposed to the divine imagination that we draw from the right side. Now, notice here it says that their fruit, their fruit was destroyed and they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth. The increase of of the earth. Now the word increase there means produce. It's number 2981. It means crop, wealth, and fruit. And it leads to number 2986, which means to flow. So in other words, what was cut off? The produce was cut off, the flow, because the number 2986, that 2981 leads you to means to flow, so the flow of the produce was cut off. The flow of fruit was cut off. The flow of the crop, the flow of their wealth was cut off. To flow means a perpetual flow, and when we live from the right side, then we have the commanded blessing. We have the fruit that remains. And once it gets into the subconscious, as we're going to talk about, begin talking about in two weeks, it's just a natural flow, perpetual flow, where you always have fruit that remains. You always bear fruit that remains, and it's not here today and gone tomorrow. And I believe that's an important understanding that all in the body of Christ need to really come to the understanding of. Now, the rest of verse 4 says, Till thou come to Gaza, and left no substance or sustenance for Israel, 
neither sheep nor ox nor ass. So in other words, the flow of their increase, the flow of their wealth. Gaza means vehement and harsh. It was a Philistine city. And that has to do with nothing but everything negative. So it says that they destroyed and they left no sustenance for Israel. Neither sheep nor ox nor ass. So they lost their ass. They lost their sheep. They lost their oxen. You see why? Because of the low realm thinking. Amalekites. Because of the negative side that they drew from. Because of the Midianites, which means strife. Because of their fighting mentality. Because of their warring mentality. Now, in the New Testament, 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25, it says the servant of the Lord must not strive. And I'll add to that, neither should the sons of God be striving. We must not strive to get. We never have to strive to get. We never have to fight to get. We never have to bind and loose to get. We never have to deny to get. We never have to stomp our feet and scream and holler. We never have to do that. But if we will rest in the fact that we already have all things, that our Father is all in all and all y'all, as we rest in the isness of the Father and the nowness of the Father, then whatever apparent need, because we have no needs, but we do have some apparent needs, whatever apparent need we have will just manifest from the invisible realm into the visible. Someone says, well, you're just making it too easy. Well, it is easy. Jesus himself said, my, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. There's nothing hard about this. And it's very simple. Anyone can understand this. Just like you plant a seed in the ground and you expect materialization, you expect fruit. The same way, when we plant the seeds of God, of the Christ mind, from the right into the left, Holy Spirit conceives it and, and it's quickened there, then as we rest in that, we don't even have to ask for anything. It, it will just materialize. It will just manifest spontaneously. And this is what happened to Israel because they got into this dimension of low life thinking and strive because they embraced some false concepts and imaginations about God that they should not have embraced because they committed idolatry. They had false gods that they embraced at this time. Now, Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 3 says, It is an honor for a man to cease from strife. It is an honor for a man to cease from strife. Strife is never of God. It's never of the right side. It's never of the Christ mind or realm of spirit. It's always of the left side. Now, as I said before, God gave us the left side, but not for us to live out of the left side in and of itself, but to yield intellect, to yield reasoning, to yield our logic, to yield our emotions of the north, to yield our five senses, Reuben, of the south, to yield that side. And Jesus lived this way his whole life. As I said, he didn't do anything but what he saw the Father do. He didn't say anything but what he heard the Father say. Our life is a life of yielding. And listen, that, that really is true humility because it says, cast your care upon him for he cares for you. And then it goes on to talk about what true humility really is. Now, verses 5 and 6 say, For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for a multitude. 
for both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And you see, the same thing is true in religiosity today. They're greatly impoverished. They don't have fruit that remains. They're not bearing that fruit. And I'm not saying we are completely and totally, but that's the direction that we're beginning to come into and experience. So Israel was greatly impoverished in their experience because of not discriminating the difference between living out of the right side as opposed to living out of the left side. And they had this strife. And you see, the answer is, rather than warring, rather than strife in our life, we need rest and realization. The two go together, rest and realization. Not just rest, but rest and realization that he's done all he's going to do. And now he's given us this dominion where he says, have dominion, and that denotes rest and realization. See, because any time you fight something, you know, it just gets bigger. You know, someone who is trying to build big muscles, have a grandson that can uh, bench press 650 pounds. You probably saw his picture on my Facebook page. If you didn't, you can go there and see it. How did he get those big muscles? Well, resistance, see? And resistance causes things to get bigger, you see? So the more one fights, the more they have to fight. The more one wars, the more they have to involve themselves in war. And as I already quoted, Isaiah 2 and verse 4 tells us to beat our swords into plowshares and study war no more, but instead study rest and peace. Now, look at verses 7 and 8. And it came to pass, this is still Judges 6, it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel. Now look what the Lord does here in this time of trouble. He sent someone with a word of the Lord. Imagine that. He sent someone with a word of the Lord. And verse 8, the rest of it says, The Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up out of Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. So the prophet was reminding them, of what the Lord had done for them in the past. He was simply reminding them. And victory, you see, is experienced when one can remember. See, that's what happened when we came here. We didn't come here in Adam. We came here in Christ. But what happened is we embraced religiosity that told us we were a loser, that told us we were a sinner, that told us that we were separate from God. We embraced that and we forgot who we were. And so the same thing happened with the people of Israel here. So God sends a prophet to remind them of past victory. And there's a real key in remembering past victory. So we're now beginning to remember what has always been true about us. We remember past victories. We remember what has always been true about us. You know, Colossians 1.21 says we were alienated or we had a sense of separation. And we were enemies of God by wicked works. And where was that? That was, it says, in our mind. See, because we embraced, we got amnesia, we embraced the lies, got amnesia, we forgot, and now we're beginning to look at the family album. We're getting, beginning to look at the pictures. 
We're beginning to remember who we were from before the foundation of the world. You know, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says we were called, we were chosen, we were made blameless. We were even saved from before the foundation of the world. So objectively we came here saved and we received that to experience it and walk in it subjectively. And the word receive, as I've mentioned many times, means to take unto oneself that which has always been ours. Now, verses 9 and 10 say, And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians. They're being reminded. The prophet is reminding them. And out of the hand of all that oppressed you and gave you their land. Verse 10, And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. Now let's talk just a little bit about obedience. Old Testament obedience is simply doing. It's to do something. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. New Testament obedience is to hear and to believe and to come to the place of knowing. So he wanted the Israelites here to realize that he is and I am your victory as you and he wanted them to know that any other appearance, as Isaiah said, is nothing and is less than nothing. As I've taught many times, you know, nothing in and itself has any power except the power we give it by believing that it has a power or that it is a power. So nothing has any power. There's only one power, one spirit, one God, one Lord, one Father who is Lord of all. There's only one presence. There's only one. And this is what he was reminding the Israelites here, this prophet. I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. In other words, they got involved by thinking out of the left side. They got involved allegorically with strife and low-level thinking. They didn't set their affection on things above, but they set their heart affection on things below. Now, verse 11 says at the beginning... And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Oprah. Now, the oak is a tree, I believe, that can point to the cross. We are also trees of righteousness, and we came here as trees of righteousness. But it can point to the cross, and listen to this, Oprah means dust or dusty, dust or dusty, which would pertain to the left side a low realm, valley dweller consciousness. That's what it's talking about. And of course, we know that Jesus was crucified. His death exposed the low valley, dusty thinking of the left side. But his resurrection revealed the truth of who we had always been. You see, scripture says that we were not conceived in iniquity. You know, people say, we were conceived in iniquity and born in sin. But Jesus revealed in his resurrection that we were not conceived in iniquity and born in sin. Now, certainly, as I said previously, we forgot and we had a sense of Adamic life. And you'll always act like the person you believe yourself to be. So we act like Adam. See, but what we did when we were able to hear the word of the Lord, what we did is we embraced the lies of the government, our schools, our parents, our grandparents, and above all, the religious church. We embraced those lies, 
And Jesus' resurrection revealed unto us the fact that we never were in Adam. Jesus' resurrection revealed the truth that we were never conceived in iniquity and born in sin. If you listen to the series we did on uh, not being in sin, what was it called, original sin versus original blessing, you'll see that I explained that verse where it says we were conceived in iniquity and born in sin. It was not talking about us. It was really talking about David there, but I can't get into that today. Now, as we go on and read the rest of verse 11, I'm going to close here shortly, but the rest of verse 11 says, But ye have not obeyed my voice, and there came an angel of the Lord and sat, or rested, sat, or rested, under an oak, which was an Oprah, that pertained unto Joash the Aborigenite, and his son Gideon, listen to this, threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Now, Aborigenite, or however that is pronounced there, means father of help, and it denotes our Holy Spirit. And so this prophet came and spoke to the Israelites, spoke to Gideon, and notice here what this military deliverer or judge Gideon was doing when he was first found. It says that he was threshing wheat by the wine press. Now, wheat can denote fruit that remains and so forth, but it also can denote the death, the death of Jesus. Not that God wanted that. It wasn't penal substitution. God didn't call forth for the death of Jesus. The judgment of this world is what killed Jesus because of what he did and what he said. You see, God wasn't involved in that. Now, certainly it was used because what did the death and the resurrection do? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world unto himself. But listen, not himself to the world, but the world unto himself. And one of the meanings of reconcile there is to grieve, just to agree. His resurrection caused us to agree that we'd never been separate that we were always forgiven. In fact, more than that, God is love. He was never offended to begin with, but can't get into that today. So Gideon, when he was found, was threshing wheat by the wine press. In other words, he was digging out the revelation, of allegorically, of the death of Christ. And the death of Christ, the revelation of the death of Christ was the veil was rent, the lies that we embraced was exposed, he was also digging out in the wine press that represents both death and resurrection. And the resurrection had to do with revealing the truth of who we objectively always were. Who we objectively always were. One of the meanings of resurrection is the discovery of spiritual truth. Resurrection means to gather our faculties. In other words, join the masculine principle right side with the feminine principle, the left side, gather our faculties into one, and resurrection also means the discovery of spiritual truth. And that's what we do. We discover that we were always in Christ. We discover salvation. We don't pray the sinner's prayer and all of a sudden we're saved. No, we receive that. We receive that which was always ours. But it's a discovery. It's a discovery to come to the realization that from before the foundation of the world, we were called, we were chosen, we were made blameless, and we were already saved. So the resurrection caused us to find out the truth 
of who we always were. Now, verse 12, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, unto Gideon, and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And I can just see Gideon, you know, turning around and saying, Who, me? You're talking to me? There's no way I can be a man of valor. Why? Because he was not thinking from the right side at that time. He was not realizing who he was in spirit. He was thinking with the left side, which was negativity. He was thinking, I'm not good enough. You know, uh, how could I be a man of valor, you see? And you see, Gideon himself was, was really hiding from the Midianites, not discerning the true nature of things until the word of the Lord came to him. And then notice verse 13, it begins to talk about that. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why has all this befallen us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us. We have no miracles, we have no signs, we have no wonders. And we've been delivered into the hands of the Midianites. Strife. See what happened here? He was thinking out of his left side. And he forgot who he was. In other words, Gideon was asking, and he was saying, well, if God is really with us, where are all the miracles? Where are all the signs? Where are all the wonders? And why are we in the condition that we're in today? Why has strife overtaken us? Why has dust thinking, valley thinking overtaken us? And why is there not manifestation within our lives? So many people today are asking, why is there not manifestation? Well, a big part of that could be, not always, but could be the people are thinking from the left side, strife, fighting, warring, trying to get something from God that they already have. So perpetual fruit then, they wanted to experience fruit that remains, Eventually, they came to that. But you see, God had chosen Gideon, one of the judges, military deliverers, to hear a word of the Lord, to begin to encourage the Israelites, and to cause them then eventually to come out of their cycles of defeat and victory and defeat and victory. But notice here in verse 11, Gideon was at the place of the threshing of wheat by the winepress, and remember in verse 10, this is the word that Gideon was told, I am, I am the Lord your God. Now, remember in Acts chapter 14, Paul was preaching the gospel there, and there was a man that was there that had never walked a day in his life, at Lystra, the scripture says. And through Paul's preaching of the death, which exposes the lies, and the resurrection, which reveals the truth, this man was able to get up and walk for the first time in his life. And you see, the reality is when the focus is on him, see, where focus goes, energy flows. And when our focus is on him and not signs and wonders and miracles and healings and so forth, then those things will automatically begin to flow. It's just like Solomon when he was asked by God, oh, what can I give you back in the Old Testament? He didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for healings. He didn't ask for great things in the material sense. But he said, give me wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And what did he get? He got it all. He got the money. He got the signs, the wonders. He got all of it. So what happened here in Judges was that the miracle ceased because there was no bread and wine 
being ministered. In other words, they were not being taught to draw from the right side. They were not being taught from the death of Christ that exposed the lies and is continuing to expose the lies. And they were not taught the resurrection which reveals the truth of who we have always been. Now, it says here that the fruit and the produce was all destroyed. It was here today and gone tomorrow. Their asses, their sheep, and everything was destroyed. Their produce was gone. Their wealth was gone. Why? Because of the strife that they had in their awareness. Because of the strife, because of drawing from the left side as opposed to drawing from the right side. Now, verse 14 then goes on to say, And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, talking to Gideon, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites, from strife. Have not I sent thee? So even though Israel was weak before her foes, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east, God sent Gideon and promised him that he would deliver, that God would deliver the Israelites through and as Gideon. And then look what he says in closing in verse 15. And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? How am I going to do this, Lord? Behold, my family is poor. See, he's thinking from the left side again. After all that great word was delivered to him. Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And so again, Gideon wasn't discerning the true nature of himself. He was thinking from the left side as opposed to thinking allegorically with the Christ mind and the realm of spirit. And then the last verse, verse 16, and then we'll pick this up next week, have one more message on it. Verse 16, And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee. And I want to add, with thee as thee. And thou shalt smite the Midianites, Midianites, strife. You're going to smite strife in the midst of the Israelites, and then it finishes in that verse, verse 16, as one man. Let me read that again. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and I add, as thee, and thou shalt smite strife as one man. And that's the key right there of perpetual and remaining fruit, the one man. As we live from the right side, we're living by the one man. Who is the one man? Where? It's Christ Jesus, the one that we are one with. It's living in the isness of God from the right side, the nowness of God, the asness. As he is, so are we in this world. And so we're going to pick this up next week, and we're going to follow this through. We're going to see some more wonderful truths here about this man, Gideon. And again, Gideon means to destroy and to cut down. Not to destroy people, not at all, but to destroy by ministering the truth, by speaking the truth, to destroy all the idols, the false gods, the false concepts, the, the man-made imaginations from between their ears on the left side. Well, I trust you enjoyed this today, and thank you for joining me. Have a wonderful week. You are highly favored, and you have all things already. All we have to do is draw from that right side and rest and realize, and then manifestation is sure to ensue. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week, same place, same time. Bye-bye.